On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. My name is Dmitry Vilpovich, and joining me is my good buddy Thomas Drans. Thomas, what's going on, man? Dim, how are you, sir? Good. I was going to introduce you as uh, the same studio that brought you trades like Max Mammon <laughs> in a three-teamer. Um, in, in a three-team deal. Hey, that, that deal's aged well. Max and Mammon and Vasily Podkolzin on the same fourth line would have been cool and affordable to pull off. Yeah. I've had I've had some takes that haven't aged well, especially recently regarding the Canucks ever catching the Vegas Golden Knights, but that one has aged well. I have to admit, two times this season, I can distinctly remember looking up at the screen, the Panthers were playing, and a Panthers forward drove to the net with the puck, and I was like, is that Barkov? And then he turned around, <laughs> and it was number 98, Maxim Mammon. So, I know. Um, Guy's dynamic. Yeah. He's dynamic, and he could have been available. He could have been yours for a conditional seven. If you'd listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right. So it's good to have you on the show. Also joining us is my colleague from EP Ringside, Jack Fraser. Jack, what's going on, man? Not a lot. Well, actually, no, quite a lot. <laughs> Too much, honestly, <laughs> in the past five minutes or so. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to completely scrap my Thomas Hurdle, Callie Arncroft, Ben Chirot three-way trade. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, so we're recording this. It's Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we just had the Sherratt and uh, Yaron Croak trades come through. We still don't even know what went back in return, but we're going to power through it. But here's the plan for today. We're going to hopefully get people ready for next Monday's deadline if there still are any trades to be done by then. But most importantly, we're going to try to have some fun. And I think it's a waste of our time to be trying to predict what will happen. I think it's much more fun for the purposes of this exercise, to focus our efforts on cooking up fake trades that we would like to see. And so that's kind of the criteria for today. And I've only got a couple rules here. They're very simple, but I'm just going to reiterate them so when people are listening, they kind of know what we're working with. One, uh, we need to have a reason to believe that the player involved is at least theoretically available for trade. And by that, I mean we've seen their name either floated by reputable sources or they've appeared on trade boards in the past. Two, the deal itself needs to make sense logistically. The team acquiring the player needs to be able to realistically make the money work and fit them onto their team. And three, we're not going to get bogged down by the specifics of returns in terms of like conditional fourth round picks and stuff like that. We're, Speak for yourself. Well, I know, I know <laughs> I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying for myself personally, I'm much more interested in identifying roster players and the fits between them and not worrying about all that stuff. But Drance, you have, uh, you have freedom to do whatever you want. So thank you. Thank you. With that all established, let's get into it. We're going to take turns pitching each other on trades we'd like to see. Tom, because your track record precedes you, I'm going to let you go first. Give us your first fake trade. All right. I'm going to start with a three-way trade. I'm going to (laughs) 
drive down. I'm going to look it up on Google Maps and I'm going to take a visit to Stevie's laundromat because, yes, I've got a three-way retention deal here. So the first part of this deal is Detroit's going to get a fifth-round pick and retain half of the salary before chopping it on to me uh, with the t- the first team already having uh, retained half. So uh, I don't know why I started there. That's the least interesting part of this deal. Um, the Seattle Kraken suck. They're really bad. Yep. But, but in thinking about who's not at fault for the Seattle Kraken sucking, um, two players come to mind to me uh, as being like pretty good, despite the fact that the team is terrible. Uh, and that is their 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 pairing of Mark Giordano and Carson Soucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that pair. I think they're pretty interesting, uh, to be totally honest with you. Um, and so they've played, you know, something like 200 minutes together over the course of the season. Uh, in those minutes, Seattle's done pretty well. Um, you know, they haven't even been outscored, which for the Seattle Kraken, like huge win, massive. I have this idea that the Boston Bruins are kind of not that good. And and particularly, I don't really love their defense. We know that their sort of floor stays pretty high because of the star talent on that roster and because of the, the Patrice Bergeron impact. Mm-hmm. But in that Atlantic, like, what are you going to do if you're Boston? You're kind of cannon fodder unless you significantly upgrade your D. So what about this? What about the Bruins just import an entire totally good defense pair from the Seattle Kraken, they get both Carson Soucy and Mark Giordano. They've they've grafted a pair. So now now you can go something like you know McAvoy, Greslick, Soucy with uh, Giordano, and then you know Carlo with Riley. Now all of a sudden I'm looking at the Boston Bruins and thinking, hey, there's a playoff dark horse if they get some goaltending. Um, so in order to make this work. To Boston, Carson Soucy and Mark Giordano, whose deal will get washed through Stevie's laundromat, so he lands on the Bruins at $1.7 That makes the deal cap neutral once to Seattle. The Bruins send defenseman Connor Cl- uh, Clifton, uh, forward Jake DeBrusque, um, and of course Seattle's retaining 50% on Giordano. Seattle gets a future whatever, like whatever they want. Do you want 2022 first? Sure. You want Jack Studnicka? Whatever. Like, you're Seattle. You might make weird decisions. Whatever future you want, uh, I'm going to say a 2022 first round pick for their trouble to Detroit, uh, who retain $1.7 million in salary. To make this all cap compliant, uh, they get a 2023 fifth rounder. There you go. S- Boston Bruins acquire an entire defense pair and just graft it into their lineup from the Seattle Kraken. Wow. Uh, there. I mean, I, I, you delivered. Let me, Jack. Let me let me take this one first, yeah, and, then, uh, and then you can jump in here. Here's my issue with it. First off, love the innovation, love the creativity. So I want to I want to encourage that moving forward for the rest of the show, Tom. I, my, my, my concern <laughs> before, though before I shit on this. No, I'm not. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just. I'm, I'm just wondering kidding. what how that fundamentally moves the needle for Boston in the sense that. I just I disagree with you in the sense that their weaknesses, their blue line, like your mileage can vary on them. I actually like a lot of those individual players that they have playing back there. Certainly can room for improvement. But for me, like when I started drawing up my fake trades, the one that I was all in on was getting Tomas Hurdle somehow to Boston, right? And obviously that's mm. off the board now that he's been extended for eight years in, in San Jose. But for me, just looking at their statistical profile, like they're once again, I believe they lead the league in shot share. Um 
they have an excellent defensive environment in terms of sh- suppression. As long as they're getting average to above average goaltending from Swayman and Allmark, they'll be fine. And I, I think they have reason to believe that they're going to get that moving forward. And the, it's actually been a success in terms of splitting up that top line because Bergeron and Marchand, like you could put any of us three jokers with them and you'd get great results out of that line. So they've put Pasternak with Hall. They've been excellent together. My big issue is since David Krejci left for Europe, they're having to play Eric Holland in, in those premium minutes. And that's just a waste of those minutes, in, in my opinion. So I, I think for them to make any sort of serious noise this postseason and not just lose in five in round one or to whoever they wind up playing, like that trade probably does improve them, but it doesn't do nearly enough for me um, in terms of their objective, which should be we need to actually move the needle by getting a second line center here that can come in and maximize those minutes and give us a chance to score enough to keep up with Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, Toronto, Florida, so on and so forth. Let, let me let me just rebut that really quickly, right? Okay, so over. we're talking we're talking about though a team that you know in terms of goal differential, right? In terms of goal differential, yep. they're like plus twelve five on five with McAvoy on the ice, plus nineteen with Greslick on the ice, and then it falls off massively, right? You go you go plus four with Riley, even with Carlo, and then everyone else is in the red. Yep. Everyone else is, is that the red. forward swap? That's my that's. That's that's well, because if, I mean, of course, if the team doesn't that. have depth, I, I mean, the, the I will say, George, I probably would have had Jordan of the Boston on this list if I wasn't so ignorantly dead set on uh, Thomas Hurdle going there like uh, like Jim. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say that, you know, there there aren't a lot of center options. And by not a lot, I mean, there's basically no center options at all. But I, I, mm-hmm. I do have to kind of agree with him that that, you know, the. The defensive results have been good, and I don't think that either Giordano or uh, uh, or Susie are going to be moving the needle offensively at all anymore. And you know, like this is the best defensive team in the league. I I I, I understand that there's not a lot of better forward options available, but I honestly would rather they go after even a flawed forward like a Max Domi type than. Hey, Ooh, huge assets. On. He wouldn't fit. I don't think he'd fit there. I think they. I like Getzlaff more. Though. I think that. Well, I'm, yeah. I mean, Getzlaff would be perfect, but does Getzlaff want to move his stuff? Who knows? <laughs> no chance. Okay. I don't think there's any chance Getzlaff moves. Tom, here's what I'll say about this. Um, like, if you look at their shot chart on Micah's website at five on five, like they fundamentally cannot get to anywhere near the net as a team. Um, and that's the issue for me for them where they get a ton of shot volume and it's not necessarily even that they're spamming point shots. It's just that aside from a few players on their team, they can't really consistently break through and actually turn those shots into high danger chances. I believe they're like 22nd or something in the league in high danger chance rate and then like middle of the pack in goals. Right. And so I think that's the thing you need to identify in terms of, okay, how can we fundamentally improve this team? I don't think it's getting better defensively unless you believe that defensemen you're adding can help get the puck into those dangerous areas. And I don't believe at this point of his career that Mark Giordano or Carson Soucy no. fit that bill. No, I, I think more more than anything, it's that if the Bruins are going to win, in my view anyway, like they really have to be rock solid. They right? got like to win 2-1. Two guys, yeah, they got to win 2-1, especially this time around. Like I, I don't see the Taylor Hall opportunity for them this time around. I don't see, you know, the the big name guy coming in you know and they'll find a way to get him for 40 cents on the dollar because that's Bruins hockey baby um but if but in in my effort to extend and and essentially I'm looking to take like one or two more runs 
with Bergeron, right? Before, yep. you know, the wheels fall off. Um, I, I might have to win two on hockey. I don't know that there's a guy out there that can solve my sort of quality shot issue, my, my net front issue. Uh, certainly, certainly not at, at the same price. So I'm, I'm loading up. I'm finding a way to sort of push Derek Forbort down the lineup. Um, on the defense and just kind of doubling down on like, we're the most responsible, mature defensive team in the Atlantic. And that's how we're going to win. That's, that's sort of my thought process. Plus I just wanted to pull off a pair that's stolen and sorry, pull off a a fake trade that's stolen entire pair and transplanted it. I've never seen it done in hockey, but it just makes so much sense to me that you take like the structure, like the, the solid structural element from a bad team put it on a good team and it would be cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly get that element of it. And I, I do agree that like, who's the next best center. If we are saying Ryan gets off, isn't going to wave is no move. Like I really don't believe that Andrew cop is fundamentally helping solve their problems. Right. They're also like, do you, do you think they're going to move anyone? Like the jets are going to go for it. No, they're but like, I mean, really, there, there really realistically isn't, anyone on the board that I think that, but I think this is a big issue for Boston even beyond this year, right? Like Patrice Bergeron is amazing and he should win the Selkie this year. And he's, it's remarkable that in year 18, he's still this good, but like, what's the, what's the plan even next year for this team at that second line center spot? You're going to roll back with talking yourself into Charlie Coyle being that. And then 15 games that are year realizing that he's better suited as a third center and then having to play Eric Halla or, or whoever else in that spot, like Tomas Nosek. Like I don't, I kind of want to solve this center position for them, not just for the rest of this run, but even heading into next year. I just, I guess that's not an option right now. I think, I think their only, um, I think their only option is to, you know, go, um, go visit Olamuk in the Czech Republic and hold like, um, like a boombox over their head in the rain. It's <laughs> just like outside David Krejci's flat and just be like, please come back, sir. Please. We need you. <laughs> Um, all right, Jack. Um, it's gonna be really tough to top that one. Yeah, but I will. Uh, I'll give you the floor here <laughs> well, for your first trade. I, I have a, I have a crazy one, but I'm not gonna lead with it. Uh, we'll build we'll okay. build up to it. I, I, that's my one three way trade. Uh, let's start out with a pretty straightforward one. Uh, Washington gets a left handed defenseman for their first or second pair. They get Hampus Lindholm from the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim gets Justin Schultz, a 2022 first round pick, and Alexander Alexiev. Okay. So the, the thinking here is right now they have, uh, uh, you know, they, they have players on their left side, uh, you know, like they have, I mean, Kempney is still hanging around theoretically. They have Fair Vary, Fair Vary, uh, mm-hmm. who's doing, he's doing okay. And, and, you know, Capitals fans seem enamored with him, but he's not blowing anybody away, I don't think. Uh, nope. You know, I think that they're a team that really makes sense for Lindholm. I think his kind of, Jack of all trades, master of none style works with what they have going. And I mean, they only have so many real serious runs left with this core. I feel like adding him to solidify things would make a lot of sense for them. And they can fit him in with Justin Schultz's salary without having to do any super complicated three team nonsense. I guess, I guess the, the question of that, Tom, is how good do we think Hampus Lindholm still is because I was pretty interested to to see the commentary around Josh Manson at the time he was traded now clearly they could have gotten significantly more for him if they had traded him what two or three years ago when he was speculated to be like in all these crazy one-for-ones with like legitimately good forwards and and his, his stock had 
dropped pretty pretty significantly. But people were still like, oh, what a steal by the Avalanche. And it helps them. But I've watched Josh Manson the past couple of years, and he doesn't really <laughs> look physically the same as, as he used to. And it's tough to to kind of suss out how much of that is is real and how much of it was playing on a really crappy team for a, a big portion of that. And with Lindholm, three years ago, let's say, or I guess it would have been like 2017 or 2018 at the time, like he was, for my money, right up there as the best shutdown defenders in terms of being able to like literally one-on-one match Connor McDavid when he was trying to carry the puck in against him and hold his own and not get embarrassed and not wind up on highlight reels. And I don't know if he is still that player at this point. Now, you're not paying such a significant price that he has to be that guy, but I just, I'm kind of curious what you're going to get from Hampus home at this point of his career. It's, um, yeah, I think that's a very open question. I, I, I do think it improves them defensively. One thing that I noted, having seen the Capitals recently against a Vancouver Canucks team that sells out on the forecheck under Boudreaux, right? I mean, they are all out. Um, there's enough puck moving ability there. I think that they can withstand the loss of Schultz. Like, I don't think they need Schultz to get moving in the right direction anymore, particularly because Jensen's got, you know, not a dynamic puck mover by any means, but he's got that sort of like holding midfield. Like he can transport it. (laughs) Um, Orlov can Carlson can a bit. I still think Lindholm can, even though he doesn't blow me away the same way he used to. Um, I'm with you on Manson, by the way. I had a, I had a really good industry contact to make a good comment when I was sort of wondering why Manson didn't net more. And um, their comment was, that's the price for name value and name value only. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty much dead on with, with Manson, just considering the durability issues, right? Uh, the fact that he's not quite the physical stud rd that that we've sort of come to know certainly that we saw him as five years ago so um yeah i mean i like that deal for them i do think it makes them better i do think this capitals team is going to have to be another one of those two one teams especially once they come up i know it's it's wild to think that because they have alex ovechkin right like because they have kuznetsov but once they come up against some of the teams that can outskate them outscore them um, you know, I, I do think they're going to need solidity more than they are sort of a secondary right-handed puck mover on on their second or third pair like Schultz. So I, I think Lindholm makes a fair bit of sense there. I, I like I like that fit for Washington. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of down on, on Lindholm too, Dim. I think we're on the same page here. Uh, you know, I don't think he's nearly the player that he was a couple of years ago. I don't think he's having a great year. And, and I've heard that from, from people who you know, watch every Ducks game and have every reason to, to be, be biased in his favor. Um, but at the same time, I, I think you drop him down to a second pair, you put him next to a more stable player like Jensen, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, he's been playing a lot with Drysdale in the past two years, which which is obviously a whole different set of responsibilities. You know, you look at the microstats, I think that there is still that skill there, um, even mm. if it's not anywhere near what it was. But I think more realistically, I, I just I, I find it tough to imagine that he's not going to at least get some kind of late first. Um, and I'm ready to be surprised. I mean, the breaking news, uh, 2023 first round pick uh, coming to Montreal for Ben Sherratt. The price has been set. Uh, well, and Ben Sherratt for a first. Oh, my no, goodness. it's it's a first, a fourth and a prospect that I believe they took in the second round a couple of years ago. There you go. Um, the Habs did retain half of the money. And, and I think that's going to be important coming up here in a second. But but, but did did. 
did this management group take it or did the former management, right? Like it's not, right. It's not their own second round pick. It's a second round pick they inherited surely. Right. Yeah. Like, is oh, it, I think so. Is it Heponiemi? No, it's uh Tyus Milanek. Um, okay. So that might be their own pick actually. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would have liked Lindholm for the Panthers. Actually. I want to talk more about the Panthers here with one of sorry, my trades. Sorry but... to, to be clear. Oh, to be clear. I, I do know. I do know that it's not <laughs> their, their own second round. It's, it's not previous management second round pick. Cause I'd, you, I'd know him you, if he was, you weren't there giving ties his, his hat on draft. <laughs> yeah, draft exactly. Correct. Um, yeah, I would have liked Lindholm for, for the Panthers, especially if we're talking about a price like that as opposed to Schrott, but um, that's here nor there. Um, all right, well, I guess it's uh, it's my turn here, hey? It's your turn. Let's go. Bring the heat. Okay. So a couple of my, my main ones got taken off the board here. I had, well, first off, when I started planning this like a week ago, I was really excited about Pavelski to Minnesota, and that's obviously off the board. Then I was excited about Hurdle yep. to, to the Bruins. I even had Getzlaff or Yarncroke to the Flames, and I guess they're off the board for, for both of those now. They actually have Cal Yarncroke. Um, so I'll go with, with the Panthers acquiring Claude Giroux here. Um, and I, I believe they still have the financial flexibility to pull it off after shedding Vetrano's contract and getting the Habs to retain 50% on... Sherratt, um, I've been kind of surprised to see that people have latched on to the Avs as being kind of the uh, industry's favorite landing spot for Giroux. And I, and I understand why in the sense that they should be considered the cup favorite. And, you know, Giroux is a talented player. It's a very, um, you know, offensively friendly environment. And so I, I think he'd be, look great there. But for me, the reason why I like Giroux going to the Panthers more in terms of if I had my own wish list for him is just because that I feel like that fit for them uh, next to Barkov on his right wing now that they've moved Sam Reinhardt away and have him kind of anchoring his own third line with Mason Marchment really allows them to maximize those minutes. And I feel like just going from the situation he's currently in where he's basically having to play center at this point of his career in like the most miserable situation, just playing out the string in Philadelphia to... I think for my money, the most offensively stimulating environment in the league at the moment on Barkov's wing where Carter Verhage and Barkov can basically carry the puck most of the time. All Giroux really needs to do is just kind of hang out in the offensive zone and orchestrate some of these passing plays that they do in terms of the give and goes and three man weaves and so on and so forth. And so I think it would be electrifying. And, and I guess the only concern is are the Panthers already so good offensively that you kind of hit a point of diminishing returns where how much better can they reasonably be even adding Giroud to the mix? I guess the answer is probably pretty high if you're replacing uh, your boy Max and Mammon or, or Joel Thornton, who's recently been playing on that wing with a player of Giroud's caliber. So um, what do you guys think about that one? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's great. I, I, the best fit for Giroud for me is just any team that isn't going to play him at center. Not that he can't play center, but I, I just think at this point he's proven over the past couple of years that he's better suited to being a winger. Um, and, you know, I was digging into some of his stats today, uh, the, the micro stats as well as the, the macro level ones. And, and I think his, his defensive impacts are, are quite good in a way that I don't think people really have, have noticed in the past couple of years. I think maybe playing with Sean Couturier covers things up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I was looking, his forechecking numbers are all very good, very good puck recovery. Uh, and, it, you know, obviously he still has a lot to bring in terms of playmaking, but I, I really like the fit on a team like Florida that does occasionally get a little bit leaky. Uh, you know, they, they play so fast that, that a lot of the time they do give up quite a bit the other way. I feel like Giroux 
you know, he's not a one for one comparable with a guy like Joe Pavelski, but I can see him kind of fitting and, and being that, you know, the guy who plugs the holes in the same way that Pavelski is for, you know, the line mates that he plays with who are these super fast dynamic players, even if he can't quite keep up with them speed wise. Well, Tom, here's the, here's the thing for me, like if you're kind of projecting ahead to a postseason matchup, if you're playing Toronto, you're, I assume Rebarkov's going to see a lot of Marner and, and Matthews. If you play Tampa Bay, it's going to be a lot of head-to-head against Point and Kucherov. And yep. I think like the combination over Hagia and Barkov is obviously great. I think if you could add a player of Claude Giroux's caliber where you feel confident giving those like really high leverage minutes in, in a tough matchup um, to him and feeling you can come out on top of that and really actually potentially even dominate it, especially if you can keep the puck in the offensive zone, like that would be a massive, it's kind of a luxury item, but I feel like they can almost kind of justify it at this point. I know they just gave away their 2023 uh, first in the Shira trade. They still have, you know, this year's, or I guess they, they, they don't have this year's, do they? Did they trade it for, for Reinhardt? I, yes. That's yeah. Great. There's some weird conditions going on. I, I just read about where there's some strange conditions with that Reinhardt trade that are affecting the next year's pick, I think there's the Reinhardt pick was conditional. I think it's one reason that the pick that they just sent for Sherrod is unconditional. Right. There's some well, okay. stuff. Anyways, it doesn't even need to be a first, right? Like, I feel like you could get a lot of mileage out of Owen Tippe. You can add other prospects. You can give them whatever they basically want. I feel like you can, you mean, can provide a very I enticing mean, if, package. If they need to throw in Justin Sortif, right? I mean, they, they have enough coming that I think you can make you know, you can easily make up a first round pick. Like, but I mean, you might prefer Justin sort of, even if he was a third round pick two years ago to a first round pick in 2023. Right. I, well, I especially would. if you're Philly and you're in the extending Rasmus or Stalin in business where you might be thinking, I want a guy who can join the team in the next two years yeah. instead of a guy that we're going to draft. <laughs> you want a guy that can play on Nazem Kadri's wing when you sign him to a massive deal yes, this sir. summer. Well, and, and, and the thing for me is, <laughs> I'm going right, to skip right past that one. Yeah. The, the thing for me is, you know, with, with, with the Panthers, I think they get kind of talked about as, as being the league's preeminent rush team, and they certainly are. But I think in terms of, like, the offensive zone set plays they run, like, they, they really do run kind of, like, very simple stuff that you would practice at a young age, but they're just able to pull it off at the NHL level. Like, they're running these three-man weaves and give-and-goes, and players are constantly on the move. And I just imagine for Giroux, going into that type of environment, like he would thrive so much off of that. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very Here, intrigued by that. I've got two. Well, sorry. I've got one drawback, right? One drawback is if you acquire Claude Giroux as the Florida Panthers and do not play him as uh, sort of a right-handed shooter on a line with Huberto and Barkov that just goes about passing the puck into the net <laughs> every period, um, you're kind of doing a disservice to like excellence in the sport. You're like denying us what would be one of the coolest possible play styles that we've maybe ever seen. Certainly that we've seen um, ever seen since like, I don't know, probably like Malkin Crosby, the twins, you know, I mean, it's really a, a, it would be a rare combination of skills. Uh, But, but would you ever consider, you could also load up in the playoffs with Barkov and Reinhardt, for example, right. And have two absolute two way, drivers on one line to go against Matthews, particularly because the Tavares Nylander line with how they've been trending, I don't think is posing a huge threat. No. Would you consider doing that and then playing Huberto with Giroux and Bennett? 
I, I sort of wonder about that. That would be a pretty cool passing line. And you've got a guy in Bennett who's just going to mix it up, keep it simple. Um, you know, that could that could be an option, uh, an option that you open up if you get Giroux uh, on the Florida. So, look, I'd love to see it. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess, Jack, like, how do you how do you feel about this sort of the calculus of they're already by pretty much any stat you look at the most prolific offensive team that we've had since 2007 in terms of shot generation, expected goals, goals for, um, obviously it's more difficult to score in the postseason, especially when, when the quality of competition improves. Uh, so you could argue that Giroux would give them more flexibility in terms of doing those options that Tom, Tom just suggested in terms of mixing and matching in terms of, you know, playing the matchups. But also I, I do wonder if at some point you do kind of hit your head on the ceiling of like, all right, we're already so good offensively. How good can we reasonably get? Are we better off? I know they just acquired Sherratt, but kind of trying to get different player types as opposed to just trying to kind of keep going, going, going offensively. Yeah, I, I I would say that I think Giroux is versatile enough that you kind of get right. past that. I think he can create offense in enough ways and still an effective defensive player where you're kind of improving it in both directions and you're putting yourself in a positive scenario where if the Panthers, the way they play runs into a wall, like let's say they play against the Hurricanes and, and the Hurricanes are able to kind of grind them down. I feel like Giroud plays the style of game that would unlock some other offensive options for them just in case the high-flying Huberdeau stuff doesn't work quite as well. Yep, I like that. Um, all right, well, we are uh, half an hour in and we've each pitched one trade so far. So we're... Uh, Speed we're, it up. We're doing well. Well, let's take a quick break here. Um, okay. And then we're going to pick the conversation back up and then maybe we'll, we'll try to kind of rattle through at least like five or six more. Sounds good. Champions aren't born, they're made. And the secret to make your business reign supreme? Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. Recognize employees with Custom Inc. Show customer appreciation with Custom Inc. Outfit your teams with Custom Inc. Easily add your logo to your favorite products and brands at customink.com. Make Custom Inc. your custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing, along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Do it all today at customink.com. All right, we're back. Tom? 
kick us off for part two here. Give us your second trade that you'd like to see. All right. Well, I'm glad that Florida acquired a defenseman because it doesn't kill this idea. The Carolina Hurricanes are, for me, probably the best defensive team in hockey. I know that Freddie Anderson's got a lot to say about that, but, man, they're good. And I have this vision, like, of a team that's sort of able to recreate the Tampa left side and just find efficiencies on the right side of their defense core, which they've kind of done expertly, right? Like the, you think about how they replaced Dougie Hamilton in the aggregate um, with Ethan bear and, you know, Anthony D'Angelo uh, this season, right? I, I mean, that's sort of a thing they do. So my idea is to further solidify the hurricanes left side by having the hurricanes go out and acquire Jacob Chikrin. Right, the biggest the biggest defense fish on the blue line. I, I I don't know why I'm so dead set on improving teams' blue lines, but I am. So Jacob Chicker into Carolina. That's the only thing they get. To Arizona, I mean, what futures do you want? There's no more asset rich organization in the NHL. To be totally honest with you. Well, in- well. Other than the other team that I have going for Jacob Chikrin, which is the Los Angeles Kings. Other than the Los Angeles Kings. So, well, and, and even that's debatable. They probably are asset richer, but it's but it's depends on your mileage, right? I right, mean, right. so Ian Cole has to go to, to make the, the cap math work. But beyond that, I, I just sort of figured that the Hurricanes, or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes have enough draft picks. They probably want some younger players that can maybe step into the lineup and play in Tempe. You know, as soon as next season. So I got Jack Drury going the other way. I got Alexi Hamosalmi going the other way. That's sort of the younger guy. Uh, Joey Keane, he'll play in the NHL next season. And a 2022 second round pick. Uh, that's sort of. And I figure I figure Carolina would ask for like a low pick back, which they'd then split into like five picks and, and take up an hour and a half on the draft clock um, on draft day. So that's my that's my. To Carolina, Jacob Chickering deal. You know, when you're saying that, when you're like, oh, Ian Cole has to go, I'm like, what about Ethan Bear? And then I was like, oh, wait, he's 24. That's way too old for Arizona's timeline. <laughs> also, also, they need Ethan Bear. Like, Ethan Bear is going to be affordable for them next season. Yeah. And I know he's been a little bit in and out of the lineup, but his results have been pretty good. Ethan Bear's good. Like, he's Ethan a good player. Bear's, yeah. and, he, and, he's, and he's perfectly suited for them because he's under team control for a bit and he doesn't have the counting stats to sort of price himself out. You know what I mean? I, in fact, I, I almost, I don't think they'd do like a long-term gamble on him, but I like, the, I like where he's at for them. I think that makes a ton of sense. I'm going to be honest with you. I also had Jacob Checker into Carolina as my big trade. I had it as a three-way trade, though. Nice. Let's hear it. Uh, and not even one that necess- that is like the, the, the little Detroit hat nonsense. So to Carolina, Jacob Chikrin and Cal Clutterbuck at 50% retained. To Arizona, Noel Gundler, Richard Panic, Thomas Hickey, Carolina's 2023 first-round pick, and Martin Nitschus. And the Islanders get Brady Shea. Wow. No. Wow. <laughs> but but if they lose n- Neckash, I call it Natchez. 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 Is it Natchez? So we both got it, we both got it wrong, is what you're saying. I think okay. it's Natchez, yeah. Natchez. If they lose Natchez, who... Like, if they lose Natchez, who um, who replaces Troach when they when, when he walks this yes, year? Yes, very Kakaniemi. I assume they're hoping Kakaniemi, yes, yeah, based on the contract they just gave him. You think so? 
I think that contract though is like uh that contract to me just implies like middle six. I mean that contract they gave him is like pretty much exactly what Trocek was just coming off of. Which I know they did they didn't technically sign Trocek. I, I I I mean obviously I agree with you that, that Chikrin is is a perfect fit in Carolina. I just wrote a, a huge yeah. piece on him for uh, EB Brinkstad is like twenty five hundred words. He has like exactly the skill set that they love. I mean he's he's a great rush defender, excellent stick in the zone. Really, the only thing you know, he, he loves to shoot it from the point. Obviously, we know oh, that. God, you know, well, he 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 fits them to a T. And you know, the one thing that he doesn't do super super well is pass the puck. Like he's not a, a great puck mover. Which I mean, Carolina is the one team where that really did not matter any less because you know he really would not be required to fire pucks up ice nearly as much as he would for for a lot of other teams that are interested in him. Um, the I will say maybe I gave up too much for him. Uh, Thomas, I think you maybe gave up a little too little based on what we've heard of, of what Arizona is asking, especially if they want the deal you done think now. So? I, I mean, I, I didn't hear if I, I gave up Joey. I gave up Joey Keen, Alexi, Hamosalmi, Jack Drury, and a second yeah. round pick. That's like meh, four high meh, quality features. Nah. Yeah. There's no way Natchez is moving. I'm not hearing any blue chip pieces. I mean, Natchez might be, well, that's might, fine. might be a bit much, I but, uh, I, I can't imagine why Arizona would feel the need to move Chickering without having at least one kind of big banner piece, let alone no first round pick. So I, I, I am skeptical of, I, I mean, at least LA must be able to beat that offer with any number of prospects they have. In the system, I would say. When you, when you mentioned the Chickering to the Canes, I shudder just thinking of, of the fact that the Canes are somehow possibly take more point shots. It seems to work for with, him with with the chicken in there. I know it does. They're so good at retrieving it and getting it back. But uh, yeah, I mean he's a good player, and and I I had him going to the Kings, and I know that's kind of like a, a very chalk pick, but I just think it makes so much sense for them in that it improves them whenever he comes back from this minor injury for the rest of this season, and kind of allows them to sort of build off the feel good story of the fact that they're sitting in second in the Pacific right now while also fitting in with their general timeline of, okay, he's on the books for three more years after this one. So he can kind of grow with his team as a 24 year old and they can, they can justify kind of making a, like moving a bunch of the pieces that they have in their farm system for him because they just have so many of them. I like, I don't think it would bleed them dry by any means. So it kind of checks all those boxes for me. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not, particularly satisfied with the balance either of you struck in terms of what would go back in return. And I'm not sure what that balance would be for Carolina. Like, I, I, I don't know. Nagus is a lot, but they definitely do need a one blue chipper back if they're moving chicken because they have no reason to force moving them right now if they don't get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my thinking, you know, like looking in their system, you know, Natchez, I mean, he's not having a amazing season this year. You know, he's got nine goals and 29 points in 55 games. I mean, obviously, you know, we think the world of him, but I can see him being considered just kind of like a reasonable, you know, asset to be, to be moved in this case. But I, I mean, LA is the logical fit in terms of where I think he would likely end up if he were traded. But I just, I love the Carolina fit so much. And I do think theoretically they can make it work. Also, I mean, we're all ignoring the Cal Clutterbuck uh, uh, coming to Carolina, which I mean, he would be perfect in Carolina and Brady Shea in New York, Lou Lamorello would love the hell out of Brady Shea. So the puzzle pieces they're fitting. I tried St. Louis at first, but uh, I was, I was told off by a lot of St. Louis fans. I proposed that too. 
Um, okay. Wow. That was, that was a lot to, <laughs> a lot to take in there. Um, okay. So Tom, I have a, I have a trade idea to run by you specifically, cause I think you can sort of, um, vouch for, for the likelihood of it or sort of kind of the, uh, inner workings of it. And for me, it is Connor Garland going to the New York Rangers. Um, and the reason why I bring that up, I know that they've been more so linked to to JT Miller and Brock Besser has gotten a ton of traction. A complicating factor here is that the fact that the Canucks are working their way back into this playoff race and, and winning a lot of games and they might at this point feel more comfortable just waiting until the summer for the market to kind of open up a bit more and recalibrate and see where they're at and then make any big moves. There's also the fact that I think the Rangers might be hesitant to take on a contract like uh, Garland's because he's got still much more term and future uh, financial commitments to it. And with the fact that their second line center position is still up in the air with Ryan Strome being a UFA, the fact that Adam Fox and Mika Zibanejad's extensions both kick in and are, uh, you know, big pay raises, I, I think they're going to want to try to maintain as much flexibility as they can heading into the summer. So I'm not sure what that appetite would be. At the same time, every way I look at it, I feel like Connor Garland is aside from, I guess, being like a bit smaller and, and they seem to have kind of gone in a different direction in terms of their team building under under Drury, it seems like in terms of what he actually fundamentally brings to the table, it's like literally the perfect player for what they need right now. I think at this point with how the Canucks have fared, I mean, look, we all have seen how this organization has functioned over the last eight years, right? There's never been a shortcut that they haven't been happy to take, right? Like, and that's... That's who the Canucks are. So now they're going to sell one point out of the playoffs. I know they've changed management. I know that Jim Rutherford doesn't have the same skin in the game that Jim Benning would have, but come on. That's not... The Leopard doesn't change its spots. Uh, I, I would be shocked. I would be shocked at this point if the Canucks were to sell. And yet, if they do sell, or if they do make a move, so long as there's you know something that goes into their lineup right away coming back... You know, I do think Garland and, and Brock Besser would be far more likely than JT Miller. Yep. So maybe what do you well, what do you what do you, you send him back to Vancouver? Do you think that Rutherford is in love with Connor Garland, the player, if we're being realistic? I I don't know, but when you think about Jim Rutherford's usual MO, right? Straight line speed and or size. And Connor, he has neither of those. Connor Garland has neither of those attributes. Brock Besser has neither of those attributes either. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, I would not be shocked to see a Connor Garland deal in the next 18 months, and yet he's played pretty well in Vancouver, and, and I do think he's won some admirers within the organization just with his grit and, you know, do, don't give a, a fuck sort of approach to the game. I think he's I think he's got some fans, but do I think... Do I think when he considers what it's going to take to make it through the playoffs out West, that Connor Garland fits the template of the team that Jim Rutherford himself would have built? I, I probably not. I mean, so what do you want back? Because I know that, that you prefer Zach Jones from all of their young defensemen. I do like Zach Jones a lot. Um, but I mean, I, I think the Canucks would, I think the Canucks would probably lower their sights if you're talking Garland as opposed to Miller, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think they were going to deal Miller unless another guy named Miller or Braden Schneider were coming back. But uh, and that's when they were going to trade Miller. I don't even think they'd do that now. Um, but uh, but you know, for Garland, uh, probably prefer the righty, the the Swedish guy Lindquist. 
uh, considering this club's needs? I, I really like the reason why I, I'm, I'm interested in Garland to the Rangers because of his skill set that I said, which is he's absolutely elite at just pissing off the opponents and drawing penalties. And yeah. this Rangers' strength is they're like operating at the second highest scoring efficiency on the power play. And that's like such a huge source of their offense, but they're very poor at actually drawing penalties. I believe they're like 26th in opportunities because they never have the puck. Right. So getting Garland would instantly help in that regard. He'd be able to play on the right side across from Artemi Panarin. I think he's had kind of like a low shooting percentage the past two years. I think he's actually a better true shooter than that would indicate. I think he, he takes a lot of kind of like lower percentage shots, but I think he's actually a pretty good finisher, If you especially if you have Artemi Panarin passing in the puck. Even though he's not fast, he can help them with that rush element as well. So I think he'd be the perfect player for them. The reason why I, I, I have no idea what that return would look like is A, I don't know how the Canucks value him because I feel like generally around the league, people value Connor Garland less than than I do, and and that I think he actually provides in terms of discernible on ice value. He's and a two, classic, yeah. He's a classic. The Rangers value their young guys more than anyone else in the league, or at least based on Twitter yeah. representation in terms of how their their fans indicate that each guy is untouchable for Jack Eichel. So I don't I don't know what like the right sort of balance would be in terms of finding a fit between those two teams. But I just thought that, you know, JT Miller has been linked to the Rangers so much. And I understand that their second line center position is still kind of in the balance moving forward. And he used to play there, but I feel like in terms of like actual skill set and what he'd bring to the table immediately, Connor Garland would be significantly more useful for them for a significantly lower price tag. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. If you want to figure out what the Rangers are willing to pay for Connor Garland, just like credibly leak it so that uh, the New York the pages of the New York Post negotiate against themselves on the prospects that the Rangers are willing to include, and then you'll have a good idea. <laughs> that's I, that's the way. I mean, the Rangers need to do something, right? Like, I know they acquired Frank Vitrano right now for a fourth, that, but if you still I like look that. at, I like that fit. If you have Frank Vitrano, you basically have like the poor man's Connor Garland. So, already yeah. they they definitely need somebody to play on the right wing uh i had three i had three tiers of rangers trays i for for a right wing i had the the little baby one which was ricard raquel for a second round pick i had the okay okay that's you know we're, we're doing something which was uh, i'll read it off connor Gar- connor garland for zach jones or one of those other prospects they're never willing to trade <laughs> that's how i feel yeah. and then do you, do you want to hear the big boy the, uh, the one that that won't happen, but uh, I would love to see Twitter meltdown. Pat, is it course. literally the big boy Phil Kessel? Patrick Kane at $4 million retained oh. for Alexi Lafreniere and Alexander Georgiev. Oh, sign me up. Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin back together. The Rangers get a Let's classic go. Rangers uh, play. They get two years of, you know, one of the better offensive right wings in the NHL at $6 million. And uh, let's go. They, you know, they lose Laf- Lafreniere and uh, Lafreniere, Kirby Doc, and Alex Debrinkit become the core, of the core of the future, and they get a goalie in Georgiev. Well, and at least, at least Debrinkit and Lafreniere, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that trade. I want to see that happen. I am so curious to see that, just to see how low a team's five-on-five metrics. Yes, can get. sir. I mean, honestly, <laughs> both of them, both teams. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um all right good stuff um all right who's next uh I, tom. tom i think you're yeah. on the clock right i uh okay i've got one you know we've we've been talking for a long time and we haven't discussed how any of this impacts the maple leafs so i look at the maple leafs and i see a bunch of issues like a bunch of things that i 
I, I think will hold them back from being in the true contender tier, even though they'll probably finish the season with 110 points. Goaltending, right? Lack of speed on the blue line. And the fact that the Tavares line is not really driving play five on five anymore. So what if there was a team in pure cell mode that could solve all of your issues in one fell swoop? What if that what if that team was Chicago? And what if this was the this was the deal that the, the, the Maple Leafs made at the deadline? Ready? Mark Andre Fleury at fifty percent retained. So he'd need to consent. Brandon Hagel. Okay, so this is a deal that helps you this year, but also fits within your cap structure for a couple beyond it, right? He's 1.5 for another two years beyond this one. So you're thinking long-term here, which is why you're going to open up the vault, sell the farm, right? And Caleb Jones. You know, your mileage may vary on Caleb Jones, but at least he's fast. At least he would add something that the Maple Leafs blue line needs, in my view, particularly below the Morgan Riley, uh, you know, TJ Brody pair. To Chicago... They need to take Mrazek to make the cap math work. So you're going to probably pay extra to have them take Mrazek. Um, Travis Dermott, same thing. Just open up some flexibility. They get a young defenseman. He's 25. He's going to be relatively affordable on his next deal. Kind of a swing. We're not really getting into the um, into the costs here yet. 2022 first round pick. Matthew Nyes for sure has to be part of the deal and then need something else. Fine. Take another piece. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Farm is for sale. Maple Leafs get a starter, a, a top six forward and a defensive, def, uh, uh, a defensive depth with some, with some wheels. What do you think about that, Jack? So I, I like, I like part of it. I, I mean, the, the main issue for me is I don't think Mark Andre Fleury would wave for Toronto, unfortunately. Uh, I, I have I have flirted in Minnesota in my deck with Toronto getting James Reimer uh, just because I could not justify to myself poor Mark Andre Fleury about to retire jumping into the you know the Lions Den in Toronto. Um, I mean Brandon Hagel to Toronto makes so much sense, uh, and and the return that you have going is I think suitable. Like the first round pick and and Matthew Nyes is pretty much from the sounds of it what Chicago is looking to get. Uh, I, I think the value going both ways makes a lot of sense. Um, I, yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's a lot. And, and I, I, hmm. here's yeah. what, I, here's what I don't like about it, Tom. I have Brandon Hagel going to the lightning instead. I like <laughs> yeah, that. They yeah, should, the, the lightning should pay up. They should pay up for Brandon. So, Hagel. so, so here's what I'll say. Everyone's been kind of like tripping all over themselves over the past year or two. To be like, all right, who's the next Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow, right? And 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 they're like so uh, focused on the actual player types themselves, or in terms of like how they play stylistically, or or kind of what their contributions are on the ice. But I think the much bigger takeaway of what Tampa Bay did with those two acquisitions at the 2019 deadline was what they represented as assets to them, right? Like the reason why they were willing to give up a first and, and Nolan Foot or whatever they gave up for Blake Coleman, which I remember at the time people were like. We're, we're shocked that, they, that New Jersey was able to get that much. And the entire logic behind it was predicated on the fact that they were so tied up against the cap that for them to be able to add to their team 
for not only one playoff run, but two playoff runs without subtracting anything off of their roster was going to be next to impossible. So they identified these two guys that could come in for like 2.7 million combined or something like that for each of the next two seasons that could step in and give them this whole new look line. And obviously they took off and the rest is history. And they're once again in a similar spot in the sense that if you look at after next season, they're going to be in a situation where all three of those RFAs in Sorelli, Chernak, and Sergachev are going to need new deals. And I imagine they'll all be very expensive or significantly more so than they are now. Uh, Stamkos is going to be on like an expiring deal. McDonough is going to be in his mid-30s. Kucherov is going to be on the wrong side of 30. Like They're going to be an entirely different spot organizationally at the end of next season. So they have this window now of this postseason and then all of next year and next postseason to really see what they can do. So whether it's Brendan Hagel or another guy identified that could really help them is Scott Mayfield, although I'm not sure how much the Islanders really want to sell, and I think they're going to kind of just try to roll it back again next season with this group. Um, like the Lightning, I think any price is justifiable for them if they can add a player that can help them that's making like $1.5 million for this year or next. So whether it's Hagel or whoever else you want to put in that similar bin, like I think they need to be all over that. And so... I like their like willingness to go the extra mile and give even an extra ass or two to make it happen. And that's kind of why I like the Lightning getting Hagel. Yeah, I, I, I like Hagel and Lightning as well. I tried to make a situation work where they could get both Hagel and Lekkonen and get both the uh, both of the guys that everyone is talking about as the new uh, Holman and Goodrow. But I just couldn't get the cap mm. to work. Like I was looking at their deadline cap space and it was like zero dollars. So I've, I have no <laughs> It's idea. like, wait, they owe the league money? Yeah. How- <laughs> yeah. The uh, Hagel Hagel would be awesome, and and you're right. Everyone gets focused on the grit of Goudreau and Coleman as opposed to the structural cap management lesson, and that's just because everyone wants to pretend that this team that has done things differently for 13 years lapped the rest of the league in terms of process and done it with undersized skill and an attractive game to watch ultimately needed to learn the old hockey moralist lesson of being tough in order to actually get over the hump and it's absolute bad faith bullshit. you know what's you, you mean what's going to happen when the panthers uh win the cup and ben because they traded for ben Chirot? oh yeah good point except except is ben Chirot also a goalie because otherwise i think the panthers are gonna have some trouble winning uh he definitely sometimes looks like one like alex edler with the kings hey i've got a king's deal i want to make a king's deal can i can i do this quick can i jump in? absolutely yeah go for it all right the kings are amazing and we all know about the surplus that they're sort of building on the right side of their defense core right Mm -hmm. but their power play is junk like they really are struggling in that area and at some point this king's team like i love that the Kings are this like balanced team with a fun mobile defense core, but like you need some flash. It's Hollywood, right? Like they need some showtime. They need some winning time element to this team. So to LA Patrick Lyon, let's go, Ooh. right? Come on. He, his, <laughs> his, his deal dovetails nicely with uh, Dustin Brown's expiring, Right. Columbus, you know, is sort of holding that, looking to net value. Like, they traded Pierre-Luc Dubois. They need to net value. They're still in rebuilding mode. The Kings have a ton to offer, right? So I'm, I'm just throwing names out. Maybe there's other guys that they'd end up dealing instead. But I figured Brock Faber, Alex Turcotte, and, you know, a second-round pick in 2022, maybe a first. 
I think that's a really high price to pay considering Lion A's high QO, the fact that he's only one year away from unrestricted free agency. But, like, the Kings need some razzle-dazzle, and Lion A has that even if he's never really fleshed out his two-way game. You've got know, and you've got Kopitar, so you've got guys you can protect him with if you decide to put him in the top six. And if you want to build sort of a sheltered third scoring line and kind of use him as, like, a high-end Mike Hoffman, you can do that with, you know... Uh, a Byfield, Kupari, Lion A third line that I think could, you know, certainly pose some problems for third pairs around the league. And and obviously it makes the Kings power play way better. All of a sudden you're, you've got Doughty and um, Lion A sort of up top as righty shooting options. Like you got to be able to find a way to make that work. Come on, Lion A in LA. Let's go. I mean, Jack, I think the Kings, the last I checked are like third in shot share behind, I believe the Bruins and the flames. And then they're 32nd in shooting percentage. And I, I think there's going to be some like natural level of regression. Obviously I uh, regression. I think that they're going to just organically as they infuse more talent into this lineup, heading into next season are going to get better in terms of turning shots into goals. But I do have to admit, I am intrigued by the idea of adding a legitimate finisher uh it's 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 a it's a pricey one and it's a very risky one and i'm not sure if they're willing to do that considering like how meticulously they've been doing all of these kind of incremental steps over the past couple of years but god damn it Giants, you did it again yeah i i, I right? kind of love it honestly i like i, I yeah. totally agree with you about the risks but i just kind of want to see what would happen if you put line a and philip daniel on a line together like I just am very curious that <laughs> what would occur. So Liney is like shooting bombs, and then Daniel is like jumping in front of the puck and somehow yeah. blocking it from going in. Yeah. So. Love it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. God damn it! Wow. So I, I'm so jealous that you thought of that one, Tom. I, like it's it's it would be fun, and and I mean I I would assume that you know the Blue Jackets, and especially because it's Yarmo Kekalainen, right? And he never loses a trade, right? They'd be like pushing hard for grands or whatever. But, like, by the time you have Turcotte and Faber coming back for a guy who's one year away for unrestricted free agency and has this super inconvenient qualifying offer, um, you got to do it. Now, I do think also LA's cap situation right now, like, do you see how many guys they have on IR? It's like 11 people on IR right now. So I think they'd have to retain some money. I think they'd need Columbus to eat like two and a half million, something like that, to make the math work. But not, not, that's not enough to shut down a deal, especially once it's prorated. And they have a bunch of money coming off the books this summer, which would obviously play into the, the future contract for Lion yeah. A. I think they'll have the room to do so. Yeah, I figure it's Dustin Brown money, right? Like, yep. like Lion, a, Lion A, you're trying to sign for Dustin Brown money. Dustin Brown, you can stick around at a much lower cap hit and just sort of like, you know, finish your career on your terms whenever you want at $1 million a year, one-year deals every year you want until you want to retire. And that's kind of how you do it. And then all of a sudden you've got you know, the best one shot scorer. You've got Showtime yeah. on, uh, you know, at the staple. Uh, sorry, it's the crypto.com arena. Ugh. Of course. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, everything sucks now. <laughs> um, not not the staples, like the staple center, like that was sexy and pure. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, that that's the, that's like if there was honestly one trade I'd really want to see at the deadline. There's one thing I want to see. Like, I want to see all of that, all of those mobile blue liners catching Lion A in stride for, you know, just ridiculous finishes. Um, 
and 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 give me give me like a Dursey Lion A battery or a Doughty Lion A battery on the power play. Like, let's yeah. go. Do we, do we have time for one more? Yeah, go for it. All right. So last last deadline, things were going very boring. Not a lot of stuff was happening. And then Steve Eiserman shocked us at the last second with a totally unexpected Anthony Mantha or Yaga Brana, Richard Panic in a second round pick trade. So I figure that he repeats the feat this year. Philadelphia gets Tyler Bertuzzi. Detroit gets Travis Sanheim and a 2023 second round pick. They have almost exactly the same wow. contract. They're both one year left after this one at, I think, Bertuzzi's 4.9, Sanheim's 4.7. Uh, relatively similar players in terms of, I think, the value they bring on the ice. I think Bertuzzi's counting stats are a little inflated right now. Uh, yep. Sanheim's underlyings are pristine, and he's been holding things above water despite playing almost the entire year with Rasmus Ristolainen, which I think you know that deserves some Norris votes, honestly. Uh, and Detroit, I mean, they're going to be losing Letty, who was supposed to be their fix uh, on the left side, but I mean, really, they got nothing going on on the left side. Uh, in, in the short term, Travis Sanheim can totally slide in and, and be that second line left defenseman. And Philadelphia gets to replace uh, Claude Giroux on the left wing with Tyler Bertuzzi, and they get to keep pretending to be a contender. Yeah, I like I like Sanheim as a as a potential pivot defensively for the Kings. I, I just didn't love that he only had one year left on his deal for them. I would have liked longer term, but yeah, he's I mean he's a good player. I know it certainly make a lot of sense. Um, what do you think about that one, Tom? Yeah, I'm on board, and I think Bertuzzi again will f- will fit in really nicely on on a line with um, JVR and Nazem Kadri next season. <laughs> You're really pushing this. No, no, I just like I just like. I've been thinking a lot about Kadri in the context of of JT Miller extension, right. and I, and I can't get over the fact that like you look at like Trocheck, Kadri, JT Miller, right? I mean, of those, how would you rank those three in terms of the quality of the player? Like probably Kadri, Miller, Trocheck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but with the with maybe you give Miller a boost because you know he's not going to get suspended in the postseason, right? So maybe I mean, but either way, one two, and it's like the two smartest teams in the league are not even going to think twice about letting Trocek and Kadri walk, right? They know that they have them on the contract so you can win with, right? And the Canucks are not one of those teams, and you know they're going to make a full run at, at, make, at being the team that makes the mistake. And it just infuriates me because as good as Miller has played, and as much as I like covering him and watching him play, um, you know, there's a reason that the Hurricanes are the Hurricanes and the Avalanche are the Avalanche, and there's a reason the Canucks are the Canucks. And explaining that in my own marketplace is just like always going to get me yelled at. So I, it, I just find it frustrating. And the and the and the cadre to Philadelphia thing is mostly just me picking a deal I think will age badly with a team that I think is prone to making those mistakes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, that's it. That's really it. There's nothing else to it. See, I, I want it down in audio form that. I, I think that Kadri's going to Ottawa. I think he's the he's the guy that Ottawa gives that gigantic pile of money to to be their first or second line set. Oh, I love that. That would be so much fun. I, I have to say, unrelatedly, like Kadri and Kachuk, let's go. You brought the Canucks back in there. I spent a a truly distressing and upsetting amount of time trying to come to come to terms with a three way trade that involved the Canucks getting Marino the Penguins getting Garland, and then the Penguins flipping some Kapanen to someone and getting 
a relative facsimile on the blue line to kind of cover for those minutes they're losing on the blue line. But I just, I couldn't do it because I, I couldn't see anyone giving them a quality defenseman for Kapanen based on the way he's played this year. So I don't know. Do you have anything on that? I wonder what they think about Tyler Myers. Don't you oh, friggin' dare Durant. I'm uh, just saying, I wonder. I mean, Tyler Myers has a full no trade and is a settled family man. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that's not a... By the way, you know how every you know how players can submit a list? If you had a modified no trade clause and you were playing on the Canucks, don't you think Pittsburgh's like the first team you include now that Rutherford's the GM? <laughs> like, wouldn't you just do that? Just like, I don't even... I, I like Pittsburgh. I'm happy to go there. But, you know, yeah. I think if I'm trying to reduce my likelihood of being dealt... That's the team I'm putting on the list, um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder what they think about Tyler Myers. Oh man, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got, I got nothing, nothing good to say about. about my, that. my thoughts are well documented. Um, all right, well that that's gonna be it. I um, <laughs> this was this was this was an exciting rendition of uh, of what's becoming a, a favorite annual tradition of mine on the PDO cast. So. Drance, I'll let you go first, plug some stuff. What are you working on? Where can people check out your work? And then, Jack, you can go after that. Check out The Athletic. Uh, the VanCast with uh, Farhan Lalji will be, uh, we'll be doing a live episode on deadline day, probably late later in the day. I'm also on Sportsnet 650. The, uh, I've got a program called the Canucks Hour, and we're doing a three-hour. It's Canucks Hours like plural <laughs> during the deadline uh, will be joined in hour one by Yannick Hansen will be joined in hour three by Satyar Shaw. Um, you know, so, so pretty good. A couple, uh, a couple hardworking guys who are very good in the corners. will will be joining the Canucks army uh, or sorry, the Canucks army, the Canucks hour, which <laughs> is fantastic. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to playing cards with you, Dimitri later today, where I'm going to um, take your money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you because you, you did me such a solid by, yes. by bringing the heat today. Yes, so. let's go. Jack, give us uh, give us some stuff we're working on. Uh, well, you can read me at EP Ringside. Uh, got that piece on Jacob Chicken dropping uh, probably tomorrow or the next day uh, that you can read as well as some more deadline stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at JFreshHockey uh, so you can see all the pretty player cards drop uh, the second the deals go through. Uh, going to be a very busy couple of days or maybe absolutely nothing is going to happen and i'm not going to tweet at all uh and you can <laughs> subscribe to my patreon to see the pretty player cards ahead of time you can get ahead of things and uh and see the guys that your team is rumored to get uh full access to that patreon.com slash jfreshhockey i get I like awesome it. value from my jfresh patreon subscription by the way i just want to let Anyone listening go. know that. Appreciate it. That's a testimonial. So, so and, you take uh, Dim's money and I take your money is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and I'll be happier for it. And Jack, uh, you and I uh, will be back on the evening of the trade deadline uh, with our pal and colleague at EP Ringside as well, Ryan Lambert. And we're going to do kind of winners and losers and trade breakdowns. So hopefully we have some fun stuff to talk about then. So fellas, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for bringing the heat. And we'll definitely have you both back on sometime soon. Sounds good. Cheers, bud. 
All right, that is going to be it for today's episode of the Hockeypedia Cast. As always, thank you for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening to that show half as much as we uh, enjoyed recording it. And uh, yeah, I think it was a fun conversation. We got to bounce around and, and touch on a lot of stuff. And we're going to try to put this thing up immediately. So hopefully, you get a chance to listen to it uh, before there's even more trades and before it becomes completely outdated. So uh, this is a bit of a preview of sorts from us. We will be back again on this feed on Monday evening, um, probably around like 8 or 9 p.m. Pacific time uh, with Jack and, and Ryan Lambert. And we're going to be discussing uh, kind of the winners and losers and t- big takeaways and themes and, and sort of some trade breakdowns of whatever happens between now and Monday's deadline. So you have that to look forward to. Um, if you've been enjoying the show and uh, and you want to help spread the love, um, you can help us out by leaving a rating and review wherever you typically listen to podcasts. A lot of you have done so already. And once again, I greatly appreciate uh, each of you that have done so. If you haven't done it yet, uh, please consider just, it really takes up a minute of your time. Honestly, it's as simple as just hitting that five-star button. So uh, thank you for doing that in advance. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back on, on Monday evening then, and then we're going to kind of get into a bit more of a, a regular schedule. So thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting it. Uh, hopefully all of your trade deadline wishes come true for your favorite team and you enjoy uh, the festivities up until then. And, uh, and we'll chat soon. The Hockey Pediocast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pediocast.